0: This is Arcadia Cast, brought to you by Camp Arcadia on the shores of beautiful Lake Michigan. Here you get to listen in on the stimulating lectures of thoughtful and engaging Christian leaders from across the country, like extended TED Talks from a Christian perspective. Today's talk is from Sunitha Mortha, Associate to the Bishop of the Metropolitan Chicago Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America.
1: Uh, It's been a great journey to be here. Uh, We came in and talked about the power of story, if you remember. You talked about your name and the story behind that, and not to underestimate the power of story, the backdrop stories that we have operating um, in us um, that impact the way that we understand mission, impacts the way that we understand the gospel and the challenges that we're having uh, in understanding mission and mission engagement. That was the first session that we did. And then also I shared with you the context of what is happening in mission. If you remember, the global intersections, you know, Where, where is mission, what is mission, why mission, all that. You know, we had the first day, those were the conversations that we started. Then we moved into um, my story, you know, how do I understand my worldview, the lens in which that I am functioning out of. I shared with you a little bit about, mm, individualism and collectivism. I talked about having a worldview that creates a filter. Some things you see in brilliant color and clarity, but some things you have blind spots over. And you were gracious enough to journey with me into my culture and I shared with you the distinctions and differences that I saw as I was coming into your cultures and seeing how you were living out your faith and how you were understanding the Gospels and the challenge. And I've had significant conversations with some of you, and they have been really interesting, you know, starting from people that, um, you know, have Indian doctor friends, or, you know, Indian friends that they have related to, or some folks that are event planners for Indian weddings, you know, starting from there to... (laughs) It's been crazy. Uh, But interesting questions about my uh, marriage to Warren and also about faith in general, you know, just how do we understand gospel? What's the role of culture in that? What are non-negotiables? What are negotiables? All of which strengthen the conversation that we're having together. Uh, before I go into this next session, you know, uh, there's, there is a lot of deconstruction that happens in our context and I think it's good we're we're talking about things that we've taken for granted For a long time, but I also truly, truly believe that uh, then people become paralyzed uh, after that not knowing what to do if there is no alternative, it is no vision, or no demonstrating an alternative reality. Demonstrating becomes very important as we have this conversation. So I hope that today I wanted to share with you one of the ways Like I said, this is the conversation I've been having throughout this church for a really long time. And um, it didn't work out uh, today, but I travel with a group of musicians wherever I go and we worship to sort of demonstrate an alternative way uh, to understand the things that I've been uh, sharing with you. One of the things that I want to flag for you, flagging is an important practice in my life, and I wanted to flag for you. When you listen to me, perhaps you might think that, oh, you're just trying to give us insight into her own story, you know, into her own culture, into her own values. And yes, I am trying to give you um, insights into those because I feel like sometimes I have to be a lawyer. You know? I'm making an argument because... You have power behind your cultural cultural values. So I'm being a lawyer to 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 make an argument that we have something significant to offer. I am doing that, but I hope that we could be um, understand sh- story sharing in a way that um, when we look into the Bible, so it's like David with Bathsheba, right, and then that story, right, of lust and and. Uh, uh, he does so many atrocities uh, in that story, David does, King David does. And then Nathaniel comes in, the prophet, and then he, uh, Nathaniel comes in and to share that with David, he was unable to see what he's doing in his own story. He's unable to see what's happening in his, sto- in, in, in his own story. Then um, Nathaniel offers another story that has nothing to do with the story that, uh, about Bathsheba and David. And he talks about a sheep, and he talks about you know taking the sheep away, go and read it, I, I don't have time to share about it. But what Nathaniel does is has David travel over another story to come back to his own story with new eyes. So my hope in sharing with you is that, that it's not just a travel to travel to my story, but then to travel back to your story with new eyes. Thank you. So today, um, you know, yesterday was really great, and I got the privilege of being um, on this pad- podcast conference. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> who, who was that? Who, who? Who? What, is he paying you now? now <laughs> I knew I knew there's some setup going on here <laughs> now you're getting your buddies to work for you uh, <laughs> Uh, yesterday, I had the privilege of uh, being on the podcast and uh, you know, responding to the questions that were asked to me, and I, I was able to share this. Uh, this frame has guided, and like uh, you, Gabe, like you know, I, I I'm, pers- I pursued these questions, you know, that came to my doorstep. In pursuing this, this is where I've landed, and this is the vocation that I landed with, and this is me responding to what I think God is calling me to to do and be and to share and to preach and to prophesize on. And so there's some frames that then come your way that are helpful in having this conversation. And so today to land the conversation that we've been having about the story, we've been having about uh, the role of culture and Christ, um, I wanted to share with you one of the things that we have been doing in the church um, around worship. And showing you how this lands, you know, all these conversations land in a very practical way. Showing an alternative way to start to enter into these conversations. This the this framing that I'm showing you here was um, uh, was a document. Uh, it's called the Nairobi Statement. Uh, the some of the Lutheran um, global Lutheran companions came together in Nairobi 20 years ago, and put out this document of to begin to understand uh, what, what Christ and culture and worship have, what are the inter- intersections that we have when we start to enter into the conversation about worship. So today, I'm going to journey you along with me in that conversation. Um, So here are one, two, three, four, four ways of uh, the intersection of Christ and culture in worship. We could understand that it is transcultural, it's contextual, it's cross-cultural, and it is counter-cultural. And then I'll I'll, uh, I'll say a little bit more about what these things are, but this is sort of a frame that we can work with. And I wanted to give you... um, An image, like I like metaphors, in India, in front of every home, a lot of homes, in the morning, you know, women will get up, and then they will put some uh, water to dampen the soil in front of the house, and then they, with chalk powder, will put dots. They first put dots, and then they start putting this design with the dots. And for festivals, that looks like this. And so a lot of times when I think about frames, the frames are like dots, and I want you to think about what I'm sharing with you as dots that then we color in and that we shape and that we create designs around as we understand a concept or when we start to understand these pieces that we're talking about together. Worship and culture, now I, I feel like I don't have to do a whole lot around culture because I spent a significant amount of time talking about it in, for two sessions. But even worship, I just wanted to share in a very uh, fundamental way and uh, uh, simplistic, uh, for the lack of a better word, how I understand what worship is. I think the most simple way uh, that I can share with you how I understand this worship is that when we come to worship, when we gather, whether it's in twos, or threes or in a community, what happens is that in that, worship stor- uh, uh, in that worship time, we are hearing that old, old story. We come together as a community and listen to an old, old, old story. The story of God, the story of how God created us, the story of Jesus, the story of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And when that story is told in worship, we are caught up in that story. We are uh, caught up and captured in that story. And we remember... We remember whose we are, who we are. And it's not just that we remember, we are also awakened to the the power of that story. We are awakened to the power of that story, and that story takes us, transcends us, and also makes us aware of the imminent at the same time. And this is what happens in worship as we go through the different liturgical elements of the the service, where we gather, we hear the word, we share the meal, and we're sent out. And as we're captured by this story, we remember Whose we are and who we are, and we are sent out as a new humanity. A new humanity. Everything old has passed away, see. Everything is new. And so, for me, that is what's happening in worship. We remember and we are remembered into a new community. Yes? Okay. Or amen. Amen. It's pretty powerful stuff. And um, so that's how I would, I would say worship is, and this is just a refresher of what I would say culture is. And I'm not going to spend any time with this today. These uh, slides are just meant to... Um, remind you of that. So what do we mean when worship is transcultural? So what is happening in worship worship is that it's transcultural. What it means is worship is uh, transcultural when it points to a reality that we belong to a God of all nations, cultures, all creation, and cosmos, you know? The vastness of God, the awesomeness of God, the mightiness of God, the God that holds everything, the cosmos uh, within God, and we have when that's when we're hearing that story, we are blown away by that expanse and two of um, two of the things that happen to to bring that um, into us during worship is Baptism and Eucharist. Uh, You know, there is, this is something that we often don't hear around the Eucharist table, is that we don't realize that when we come to drink that wine, to break that bread, that we are joined by the cloud of witnesses. The time and space collapses. The past, the present, the future is one at that table. I mean, when I talk about it, the hairs on my hand stand up. Because a lot of times we, I think, because we do things routinely, that we are not aware of what's happening at that moment when we approach that table. The host is present. The host at the table is present. And that is the transcendent moment that we experience in worship and our baptism. That in Christ we die, and in Christ daily we live and die. And those are the uh, transcendent uh, rituals and, that we have in worship. And I also want to ground it in how I understand this gospel that comes. You know, then who I am as a a woman, as someone from South India, as a Dalit, like that I was uh, explaining to you, that's all stripped away. It's stripped away to the point that um, I am just a child of God. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to invite my brother, Max, to come forward as we, I want you to think about the hymns that speak to this. Whenever you feel comfortable, join in.
2: One break.
1: Thank you, Pastor Max. I just dropped this on him this morning, so. What is worship when it's contextual? Worship when it's contextual it points to the reality that God in Christ is not only the God of the cosmos. But the gospel became incarnate. That Jesus was born in a specific culture, in a manger. Jesus, um, he cried, he laughed, he broke bread, he uh, made wine, and he fellowshiped, and he suffered and died, and he was raised up. So the gospel comes through us, through our culture. So um, Gabe's example of Mandarin, you know, and how the gospel came through to us in our specific culture. And this is partly what I was talking about, the glasses that you cannot take off. You cannot take off your cultural glasses that you wear. So you cannot comprehend the gospel outside that. It comes to you. Um, so I will give you an example of, and this again um, might be countercultural for you to hear. And remember that we have a tendency to think our culture is objective, that somehow we can apprehend that outside, um, your, the ways that you have been formed and informed. So I shared with you, there's the caste system in India, right? I shared with the missionaries tried to share the gospel to the Brahmins who were at the top of the caste system. Uh, But, you know, it didn't work. So they did come to the people that were outcast, the people that were untouchable. We were untouchable in our culture. And then when the gospel came to uh, to, to us, that meant that um, this identity that was given to us, that we were not w- worthy, that we were, uh, we were not even human, that we were so outcast, that that identity is, is a lie. When the gospel came to us, that meant that this is, we are sons and daughters of the king of God. Does this make sense? Amen. Amen. So that's the power of the gospel in the context that we we were from. It doesn't, we cannot comprehend it outside that. And for me it was the same thing in my personal journey as an outcast woman and a dark-skinned woman. And I say dark-skinned because there's, you will not believe the, the kind of colorism that exists that tells you you're unworthy, that tells you you're less than, that tells you so many things. And I'm sure you can tell me different ways that you have been told you were less than and not enough. And so the gospel came to me in my social location and in my social reality to say you are beloved, you are my child, you are valuable. And it's contextual, but what, what would you say is contextual? When we do worship in our, our congregations, in our churches, and in our, you know, what would we say is contextual? Are we asking that question? Are we contextual? Because it's supposed to reflect, it's the work of the people. Liturgy is the work of the people, you know? So it's supposed to reflect the context. And Luther was big in this, you know, the beer, beer songs, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's our tradition. So maybe some of the disconnect we're having is not understanding that the gospel is contextual. And, you know, and so that's a question that I want you to ask. And it's a question that I've asked of congregations, of communities, my church. You know? We sing, you know, Indians are party people. You see our weddings? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's like, but where is that? You know, why is that not part of how we say worship is contextual? And uh, today, I I want to invite you with utmost respect, you know, and teach you the song that I uh, learned from the Mescogee tribe. It's, it's just one word, hallelujah. Okay, repeat after me please, hallelujah. hallelujah. Which means hallelujah. 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 Maybe I can bring it up. Hallelujah. 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 When I think uh, contextual, I think of the native people of this land as well. Yes? 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 Yes. After the gospel is read, and this could be the gospel acclamation, is to recognize, not render people invisible, not render context invisible, not to be afraid to say this is the context that we live in. And this is the ways in which the gospel is encountered. The gospel is counter-cultural. You know, when we want to get all cozied up with our culture, you know, and say this is the best, you know, this is the best way to eat, this is the ways that God eats, you know, all those kinds of things. When we want to cozy up so worship brings to us the message that Christ is counterculture, challenges the evil that resides in our culture. I know we are so polarized in our conversations about what we consider to be good and bad and evil in our culture. I know we're we're polarized about it, and I'm, and, you know, Chip, I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to share, you know, in the sense that when Chip came, you know, Chip is trying to create a space where we're having conversations in a way that we we are hearing different perspectives at the same time are not shutting down and, you know, safeguarding the space for everybody that's here. But there are aspects of, um, that, the pieces that I would have talked about, that I'm not going to talk about. You know, countercultural. I'm not going to, I'm, I need to at least be wonderful to say that. That here, in the ways that worship uh, goes there, not to be afraid to go there, because we are married to silence in some ways. We are married to silence in, in some ways, and we're afraid We have a fear of going to those places because for me, joy is connected to justice because God will delight when we are creators of justice. Justice and joy are because for me, I did not come from a context where being Dalith was, or being an untouchable, was separated from um from water from food from education from opportunity from life yes i have to be able to talk about that so aspects of things that are countercultural are also part of the worships um experience that we do have Sharing elements across cultures, you know, and I say this a lot when I speak to different congregations I say don't do me a favor by singing an Indian song (laughs) You see what I'm saying and we can be you know, it's like oh, let's be all inclusive and let's you know So I'm going to sing this song so that I you know, you can be more comfortable in this space Um, You know And there's some aspect of truth, you know, if I come into a space and there's nothing there that reflects um, anything from where I'm from, you know, how much will I feel like I belong? Right? I'm still a visitor. And so there's an aspect of that that's welcoming, but that there's also an aspect of that that Because I truly believe the reason why I share my story and uh, my witness and my testimony is to slap you awake to the gospel. So that's you know part of understanding why we do these things is not just because we're belong to some political agenda of, of understanding, and that could be the way that people. But it's a, a lots, lot of education that I have to do and say no. Actually, I would like you to hallelujah. And did you feel it in your bones, in your heart, without a drum in the room? The the beat. So that's, that's what happens when worship is cross-cultural. It um, makes space for the truth that God is present in every culture. You know, God is present in every community and in every culture. And so in the ways that we receive the witness of our companions, we receive the witness of our companions that we can get, start to understand the body of Christ in its fullness. We, we all do not have, we have pieces of it. And when we come together, the fullness of the body of Christ, uh, we get to experience, we get to foretaste. Of course, we never fully can, but we get to foretaste that, that reality that, that is here but yet to come. So uh, an example I'd like to share with you—it's about the uh, Koya tribe. You know, this tribe is a Christian tribe. It's an indigenous tribe that lives in, in you know, the forest. In Andhra Pradesh, the place that I'm from, in, in the forest areas, and then when I go there, you know, the first thing that they do when they welcome you into their their tribe is they bring you to a, a slab of stone and they wash your feet. They, I was like, oh, this is so Christian that I don't even, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you know? Well, they wash your feet, and then they will uh, send out a call to the community. And they all come, whatever they're doing—washing clothes, you know, cooking food. People in the fields—they come, you know, because guests have come. And then they line up, and then they do this welcome dance for you. And um, they invite you into that dance, and then in that song and in that dance, they're welcoming you because uh, into the joy of the gospel and the gospel they say is like fresh lime (laughs) yes the gospel is like fresh lime it makes your mouth water can you see feel the water coming into your mouth this is what it means to be slapped away to the gospel (laughs) you know yeah, and then it does. It just, you know, because we we get what jaded or just uh, ritualized that, you know, these things are not bringing us awake anymore. And so they sing re, re, la,
3: re, la, yo, re la re la re, re la Re la re la re la 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 mana yesu tungaku tungi toda mana yesu tungaku tungi toda aku waada nimmayoda aku waada nimmayoda oh, jata gaade, na jata gaade. yesu prabhu namate yesu prabhu namate o oh, ya niwaade o oh, ya niwaade re re la Re la yo, re la, re la, re la. Re la yo, re la, re la, re la, re la, la. la.
1: So I share this, and when maybe if I share this, then you might think, "Wow, that that sounds so great!" And this is—I um, was supposed to be here with a bunch of musicians, actually. And Chip was, you know, is making that happen. Who who actually lead congregations through through this stuff? I mean, it would have been way more exciting than this solo act that you're seeing here. But <laughs> um, but this this is a song from Tahiti um and when you listen to this song you will feel like you're on an island and them talking about uh what the gospel means to them and I share this and maybe you might think oh it's great you can do those twirls and those twists and you can sing this and you can sing that and you know it might be might be a reality that you can't think of but I'm here to testify and witness that in my work here I have uh, I worked with a hundred and seventy musicians from all walks of life from different backgrounds that would come together and uh, the African Americans will sing the Korean song imagine that And the Korean descent folks will sing, keep your eyes on the prize. (laughs) Hold on. A black spiritual song from the civil rights. And in that, Christ is made known. And in that is a modeling of another reality. It's a modeling of a beloved community that the, the rest of the world will tell you is not possible. I am here to witness and testify, that is a lie. It is a lie. I'm telling you, they've come together to worship. Doesn't mean there were people on the left, there were people on the right that were in that community that were being transformed, but not by me, not by my denomination, but the Holy Spirit. And so be encouraged, invite these questions into it. Let it not be paralyzing. I hope that it's uplifting, right? The joy that comes. And if worship is central to it, hello,
2: huh?
1: Who would have thunk that, (laughs) that worship could be central to this reality? that we're throwing ourselves into. I love what Gabe shared this morning, the telos. The end. And how will we know it's in seeing you in motion that we know which direction you're going? (laughs) And if this could be, if we could believe that, That if we, I cannot do it, you cannot do it, but God can. And all we need to do in these twenty years that I've learned is not that I need to learn. Yes, there's many things that you do need to learn, but half the time, most of the time, is you have to get out of the way. You have to get out of the way, and be okay with some of the chaos that's going to happen. It's going to be chaos. You cannot get the Indian to shut up. (laughs) But anyway, why are you laughing? I mean, I stuck to the clock here, so I don't know (laughs) what you're talking about here. But anyway, that, I hope, my hope is that, that thank you for opening yourselves up to my testimony and my witness. I do not take that for granted. It's a privilege for me. I will also say that it's not easy. It is not easy. Maybe you don't recognize it. That, but I'm the only person of color here outside. I'm making an assumption. I know that there, there are other people. But when I see you in majority, yes, that's why I'm particularly pointing with you. <laughs> you know, I'm making those as but when I enter into a room, you might not think this, but this is a white space. OK, it is. And when I step up here, I'm t- stepping out in vulnerability. And though I love some of the things that I do, it is painful to me sometimes. I just want you to know that. It's a cross. And I just love you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Arcadia Cast brought to you by Camp Arcadia, a Lutheran family resort and retreat center on the shores of beautiful Lake Michigan. For more episodes or to learn more about camp, please visit www.camp-arcadia.com.